0: This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Morning, literary witch coven. This is your host Cheyenne. Welcome back. I am so excited to talk to you about today's witch. She is utterly fascinating and inspiring, and I think I think we're all gonna just learn something fabulous today and um, and embody more of ourselves at the end of this episode too. Wow, she's just coming out here <laughs> really confident and what y'all are going to take away from this today. But I've taken a lot away from this literary witch in my research and learning about her in preparation for this episode. So I'm really excited to share her with you because she's not somebody that I was aware of in any sort of deep context. So um, yeah, before I get too ahead of myself, I am drinking today a latte. I'm coming at you live this morning because been a week. It's been a couple of weeks. Your witch has had a little bit of a health scare, so it's extra appropriate that we are talking about healing and embodiment today. So I just want to invite you before we really dive in to, you know, stretch, stretch your arms, oh behind your back, all of my shoulders cracked. I say that like I have more than two. <laughs> um, you know, roll your neck side to side, take a deep inhale exhale and just sink sink into this space and and be present with me this morning go make yourself a coffee cup of tea excuse me and and settle find yourself a comfortable space and we're gonna dive in and learn about the truly incomparable Maria Sabina today But before I get too ahead of myself, I'm going to draw our familiar, the tool, material that we can, you know, draw extra inspiration from today, how we can move forward with these teachings and apply them to our own lives. What tool is going to help us get there? Oh, oh, okay. We have had. wolf jump out of the deck so the wolf represents the self without others a calling and the great expanse and I think this is a beautiful card to draw in correlation with Maria Sabina it is not who I thought it's not the material I thought was going to appear for us today I think very basically I assumed mushrooms would show themselves but that's a little too on the nose And the universe works in mysterious ways, and I think we're we're being called to dive a little deeper than surface level today. So I love the wolf, um, the self without others, the calling, the great expanse. I I think it's a really interesting juxtaposition with the healing that Maria herself represents, um, because I think we are being called to heal ourselves a little bit too in this conversation today, and. And I also like that the wolf, the wolf is an individual, the wolf is a pack leader. The wolf can, you know, hunt and provide and and exist on her own, but she is so much stronger in her pack, in their pack, in a pack, and I I just, I love that kind of perwitch and slip of the wolf to embody, embody your leader, embody your full self, embody your confidence, but remember that you do have that glorious pack, that coven behind you. And, and I like to think of our coven here at Literary Witch Book Corner um, as all of these gorgeous witches and writers and authors and artists that we, we talk about. I feel like we kind of add each of them to our own little spirit team every time we we dig a little deeper, and so I'm really excited to bring Maria to you today, and I I love the wolf as our card, so just keep pondering that as we go on, Um, think about how you can kind of embody that wolfish energy in your own life, and yeah, without further ado, Maria Sabina, who is she? I'm going to read, excuse me, I'm going to read to you her page in the literary witch book, apologies, and then we will dive right in. Um, So this is the poem written by Tysia Kataiskaya in the Literary Witch Guidebook. Maria Sabina is the shaman of dew, hummingbirds, and mushroom language. In her nighttime vigils, Maria claps and chants with such force that the embroidered eagles fly off her huple and join the gods, beasts, and moonlight wandering around the room. As the mushrooms speak through her, Maria's bare feet make inscriptions in the Great Book of Mud, letters large enough for God to read. Maria relaxes in the evenings with the Thunder Lord on the mountain. They share cigarettes and aguardiente, and when she's ready to go home, Maria becomes a star and shoots across the sky. Oh, that gave me chills. <laughs> Just reading that and knowing what I know about Maria Sabina, it's absolutely gorgeous. The poems in the beginning of this book are a true work of literary masterpiece in and of themselves. And I think it's always important to celebrate the literary witch that brought us this gorgeous work, which is Taisia Kataiskaya and the lovely art of Katie Horan. This this is the gift that truly keeps on giving the literary witch oracle. Um, So Maria Sabina, who could not read or write and lived in poverty in the mountains of Southern Mexico is considered the greatest shaman poet or wise one of the Mazatec language. She improvised her chants during psilocybin mushroom ceremonies performed to heal the sick. Her rich spiritual vision was informed by native Mazatec beliefs as well as the Catholic faith. So in doing my research of Maria Sabina, um, and even in, in this literary witch guidebook, there's one reference book to find her work because as someone who was not reading or writing, she was living in this you know remote village in extreme poverty, she... A a lot of her her poetry, her chants are lost in the ether. They exist in the space between they're all liminal um, and and exist in the people who she was healing. Uh, But we only get these translations from Mazatec to Spanish to English. And so much is lost between, you know, obviously not being in ceremony and... And doing a direct translation and that said i do have a few chance to bring to us today in this conversation but we're going to spend a little bit more time on the biography and on the workings and life of this witch today um because i think it's important that we know about her and that we celebrate her work and and learn from her teachings even now so um, she spent her entire life in a small Mazatec village in the mountains of Wasaka and worked the land in order to pay for beer and cigarettes. She did not know how to read or write. Her verses were either spoken or sung, and she expressed herself through the voice of the sacred mushroom in a language that could be neither taught nor acquired. Her chants were first translated from her native Mazatec into English, and then only later into Spanish. Yet in the eyes of many, Maria Sabina is considered one of Mexico's greatest poets. And how fabulous and magical and truly otherworldly do you have to be to have this reputation to, you know, spread this healing message far and wide and to be recognized in this way when very few written works survive of... Of her teachings and of her writings. it's A lot of this is oral tradition and, and stories passed down from people who sat in ceremony with her. So uh, I, I just really like that kind of juxtaposition and that I'd like that she's lauded as this great poet because she is. She absolutely is a great poet um, and I just think it's really beautiful that her work lives on in this way. Um, so it took a foreigner to bring her recognition. R. Gordon Wasson, an unconventional banker from New York, cultivated a lifelong fascination with hallucinogenic mushrooms. Wasson's account of his visit to Wasaka was published Oaxaca. I apologize for my pronunciation of that. I'm fairly certain it's Oaxaca. <laughs> uh, was published in an issue of Life magazine in June nineteen fifty seven. Despite giving her the name Eva Mendez to protect her identity, the article catapulted Maria Sabina to fame. In this piece, Wasson tells of having gone to a remote mountain village in search of the mythical mushrooms and those who use them in rituals. Announcing his his quest, he was promptly led by villagers to Maria Sabina. And so it was on the night of 29 June, 1955, Wasson and photographer Alan Richardson were, in Wasson's words, the first white men in recorded history to eat the divine mushrooms, under her guidance. In an adobe house, in the presence of twenty villagers, the two men were given chocolate to drink. Then Maria Sabina counted out the mushrooms, always in pairs, she would divide them into male and female, and handed Wasson six pairs in a cup. As he chewed them slowly, wincing at their acrid taste, all the candles were snuffed out, leaving everyone in darkness until dawn. Weary at first, the nausea and nervousness soon gave way to the most splendid of visions. Wasson felt wide awake. He saw grand gardens and constructions, but none that he'd seen in life, as if he were drawing on a collective unconscious, a universal repository of visions. He claimed they were vivid in color, sharp in focus, and always harmonious. They began with art motifs, like those in textiles, and then evolved into resplendent palaces with courts, arcades, gardens. Later, the walls of the house seemed to dissolve, leaving his spirit even freer to travel. When he repeated the ritual, a few days later, he saw a river with estuaries and flowing water and a beautiful enigmatic woman in primitive garments, very still, like a statue, but breathing. It seemed as though I was viewing a world of which I was not a part and of which I could not hope to establish contact. There I was, poised in space, a disembodied eye, invisible, incorporeal, seeing but not seen. The mushrooms were eaten in twos, and Maria Sabina's words were spoken in couplets. She's always written about as speaking in couplets, and I think there's such a beautiful melody um, in this language. and and in these chants that is just so impossible to achieve in English. During the all-night vigil, it was as if the traveler was entering a world where poetry was structure and structure was poetry, a world ruled by symbolic associations and dreamlike architecture, where time ceased to exist and one was both inside and outside at once. During the ceremony, Maria Sabina would eat twice as many mushrooms as everyone else, but remained calm and dignified. Excuse me. Wasson was aware of the priestess as she hummed, chanted, and clapped, leading everyone towards ever greater heights of ecstasy. I am a shooting star woman, says. I am a trumpet woman, says. I am a drum woman, says. I am a woman violinist, says. Because I am a woman of letters, says, because I am a book woman. The says in these lines refers to the mushrooms speaking. Maria Sabina did not take credit for her poetry ever at all. The mushrooms, her Nino santos, or holy children, as she called them, spoke through her, and she was simply their interpreter, and she treated them with great respect. Some shamans would call the mushrooms clowns, and she sometimes called herself a clown woman. Laughter, curative, was often part of the ceremony. Laughter truly is the best medicine, y'all. She claimed to see the mushrooms as children dancing around her, singing and playing instruments. She translated for them, was their instrument. Unlike the other shamans, she added cadence and musicality to the ritual, made the song her own, and expressed it with her entire body her language emerged undistilled from somewhere ancestral, far from ego and far from culture. So I just want to pause in this story for a moment because I'm I'm utterly enamored with the um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the the selflessness, this ego removal, the the Refusal to take authorship of something that she believed she was not working alone in. A credit where credit is due, right? Um, Why can I not think of this word, you guys? (laughs) When you credit somebody for something. Oh my goodness. Ridiculous. Okay. I apologize. Attribution, citation. Good lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, her her attribution. I'm utterly enamored by her attribution to her work, to her chants, to these sacred learnings and teachings, um, to the mushrooms themselves, to her Nino Santos. And I just I love. I love this concept because it reminds me so much of the Roman concept of genius um, or the Greek uh, concept of demons or daemons. And I wanna just dive into genius spirits for a moment here because I think there's such an interesting juxtaposition here with how we view creativity and artistry and like who actually deserves the credit for the work that is coming out of us. Um, you know, is it, is it the height of hubris to assume that our genius is solely our own? I kind of think so. And, and I really appreciate this concept. So the earliest concept of genius dates back to ancient Italian spirits who were believed to protect the household. So the word genius itself is Latin, um, which means to generate or to father. So the genius spirit would ensure a family prospered by blessing the head of the household and his wife with children. Its power was evident in the marital bed, and it was represented visually through symbols like the horn of plenty, the phallus, phallus phallus-like serpents, or flowers and greenery. So ceremonies were celebrated on the anniversary of the man of the house's birth. This is like the forerunner to the modern birthday party. so flowers are brought inside, incense is lit, wine is offered to the genius spirit along with cake sweetened with honey. Um, you know, you ask these geniuses on this day, you get to request uh, a wish or a blessing upon yourself or your family and your genius, you know, will grant that for you. So ceremonies like this would replenish your genius, celebrating new life and energy for both the spirit and your household. So this kind of Roman genius was like a personal life force oh my goodness, excuse me, which is a concept that philosophers and psychiatrists would revisit centuries later when they link genius with a man's vital force, which is a euphemism for sexual energy. And like, I get it. The patriarchy is dripping all over this because we're talking about the (laughs) ancient Romans. But, um, but I, I do like this concept and I'm going to juxtapose how the ancient Greeks took their view on personal spirits, household spirits, or demons. Um, or, you know, what they considered genius, which were these wise divine messengers who uh, kind of mediated between the gods and mortals. So Socrates described his own demon as a voice that advised against certain courses of action. So you could consider that your conscience, a moral compass, um, but that little voice in your head that, that tells you what to do um, is how Socrates interpreted his, his demon. Um, But each genius or demon is unique, just like the astrology-influenced personality of everyone it protected. Um, Now, you know, this is referring to each man, if each man has his own genius, but obviously we're going to extend this to the entire spectrum of human existence, regardless of gender. I think genius exists outside the binary, and um, I think recognizing genius for what it is as its own its own living, breathing spirit and life force can really kind of help us crack ourselves out of like creative ruts or, or struggles with our own work and artistry because you're not working alone here, right? Just as I'm not recording this episode alone with you today, I'm being guided by my own genius, by my own creative spirit team who kind of helps strike the match of inspiration and, you know, kind of set you off on your on your path of work. And so I think it's really beautiful to observe, um, observe the ways your spirit team helps you in, in literally every aspect. And I think removing that level of ego of, you know, I am the greatest, I am a genius, and replacing it with I have genius and and recognizing that true divinity that resides inside all of us, I just think is such an empowering and comforting notion right like someone's always there helping and they're not always helpful you have to show up for your genius too and and that's how you know Maria Sabina and her relationship with these sacred mushrooms is really similar and is really important to remember Um, if you're going in for purely hedonistic tendencies if you're in it for the fame and the fortune and not the creation and joy of your artistry itself, you're missing the point. So I just, I I like, I like thinking about that, that concept, you know, Plato described poets becoming possessed, right? Like soothsayers or prophets and during a state of divine frenzy, their minds were not their own. And, you know, we might look on that today as a stroke of genius or a flash of inspiration. Um, Albert Einstein once described it as a sudden illumination, almost a rapture. And Elizabeth Gilbert calls creativity a downright paranormal experience. And I know we've talked about Liz Gilbert in this specific TED Talk, which is where I'm referencing these uh, these notions of genius and demons and personal gods and guides from, um, which I will link in the show notes below because it's a really lovely TED Talk. And I think it um, it really breaks this concept down in a way that's just so it's so freeing I think it's it can be such a gift to to welcome that energy and and work with it you know truly work with it as its own individual personality as opposed to assuming that you're you know spinning gold out of your own mind with nothing but that all the time so honor that divinity that resides inside ourselves I think that's that's really beautiful and you know it was in the mid 1700s when we kind of shifted from that state of thinking of you know us all having our own team of guides who are helping you know mold and shape us and we started considering exceptional people geniuses in their own right and I think you know elevating these men to status of gods and saints becoming objects of worship it got messy really fast, and I think it got away from its core, um, you know, we centered ourselves, we centered the ego, we centered man, and I think, (laughs) don't quote me on this, or you can, um, but so many of our problems with communication, with community, with, um, with greed, capitalism, oh boy, she's gonna just start ranting today, uh, I, I think a lot of this changed with this cultural shift of of man being solely responsible for the work that they put out into the world. And and I don't mean that in the sense that you're not responsible for, you know, repercussions of, you know, that doesn't mean you can just say whatever you want and be like, well, my genius is at fault here. I didn't actually say it. That's not the point. <laughs> it's not supposed to be an excuse to be an asshole, but I think it can be really comforting when you are struggling creatively, um, to have to have someone to check back in on, to, you know, show up for them the way that you would like them to show up for you, to leave an offering at your desk or at a working altar and to ask them to guide you in your creative and artistic pursuits. So I just, uh, I, I like reminding us that while genius exists and is beautiful and in all of us, I don't think we are the ones responsible all the time. And I think there's just, there's something really beautiful and freeing in that. So take that however you need to today. And we will jump right back in to Maria Sabina. So once her existence became known, thanks to this life article, uh, rock musicians, artists, and beat poets traveled hoping to be guided on a journey by the mushroom priestess herself. And obviously, after reading his exalted narrative, um, this narrative of Wasson's, how could you blame them, right? Uh, But she condemned those who ignored the mushroom's sacred purpose in favor of purely hedonistic pursuits. And that's what we're talking about, right? If you're not showing up with respect, if you're showing up for a good time, and I'm not opposed to showing up for a good time. I think there's a time and a place for that too. But the respect still has to be there in those scenarios as well. And I think when you, you know, consider, um, quote unquote, bad trips or, you know, things like that, a lot of times intention is, intention is everything in these kind of scenarios. And the lack of intentionality and respect, excuse me, Telly Wright is fucking shit up again, as she is wont to do. <laughs> Um, You know, I I think it's just, it's really important to remember that you are not the biggest, most important energy in this exchange. And you are a vessel. You are a translator. You are an instrument. And you are being invited to partake in something that is so beyond our comprehension. And I just think yeah, that that respect is essential. And Maria Sabina agrees. (laughs) Um, But her final years, sadly, were marred by poverty, illness, and misfortune. Um, You know, we mentioned earlier, she lived in poverty her entire life and essentially died of malnutrition. And while she was in hospital, um, she, you know, word got around that she was that she was there, that this great shaman was in the space and then other patients would flock to her room to request healing for themselves while this woman is essentially dying of starvation in front of their eyes. And so I think it's just, it's it's deeply beautiful and deeply sad how, how, uh, what's the right way to phrase this? I just, it breaks my heart a little bit because while I think she didn't allow herself to be taken advantage of by these people, I don't think she agreed to, you know, she didn't just go into ceremony with anyone. I'm sure she refused plenty of people who showed up who were not there for the right reasons. Um, but just thinking of this woman hurting in this, ho- or in this hospital and others coming to you and asking you to heal them is just so ironic and not in a fun way. And it just, my heart hurts for her in this kind of end and all of this unwelcome attention. Um, Her son was actually killed and her home was burnt down uh, by villagers angered by the unwelcome attention this life article had brought to their community. Um, And death was approaching and she was aware of her suffering. She was born poor and she would die poor. Yet, She believed she had fulfilled her calling. In an oral account of her life, she describes a mushroom vision whereby the principal ones, which are um, tutelary gods, the lords of the rivers and mountains, ancient invisible presences in nature, announced her mission. She says, on the table of the principal ones, a book appeared, an open book that went on growing until it was the size of a person. In its pages, there were letters. It was a white book. So white, it was resplendent. One of the principal ones spoke to me and said, Maria Sabina, this is the book of wisdom. It is the book of language. Everything that's written in it is for you. The book is yours. Take it so that you can work. I exclaimed with emotion, that is for me. I receive it. Since her, dozens of other poets from different indigenous communities have continued to render the world around them in verse. People have begun taking their voices significantly more seriously, and they are recognized as contributions to literature and not ethnography. But so far, there's never been anyone remotely like Maria Sabina. <sighs> I'm going to put some sources in the show notes so that you can experience her on a deeper level. But I want to leave us today with a perwitchin slip from our witch herself. This particular chant is called You Are the Medicine. Cure yourself with the light of the sun and the rays of the moon, with the sound of the river and the waterfall, with the swaying of the sea and the fluttering of birds. Heal yourself with mint, with neem, and eucalyptus, sweeten yourself with lavender, rosemary, and chamomile. Hug yourself with the cocoa bean and a touch of cinnamon. Put love in tea instead of sugar and take it looking at the stars. Heal yourself with the kisses that the wind gives you and the hugs of the rain. Get strong with bare feet on the ground and with everything that is born from it. Get smarter every day by listening to your intuition, looking at the world with the eye of your forehead. Jump. Dance, sing, so that you live happier. Heal yourself with beautiful love and always remember, you are the medicine. Thank you so much for joining me today, Coven. I really appreciate you allowing me to exist in this space and to share these magical creatures with you. And their works. Go forth today with that energy of the pack leader, of the wolf, and don't take it so seriously. Your genius is part of that. And remember that you are the medicine. Cheers, witches. I'll see you next time. Oh, fuck. Just kidding. Look at me trying to be all mellow and chill at the end of that. We have to draw our witch for next week. (laughs) Joke's on you, kid. Isn't it always, though? Look at me, trying to take myself so seriously. And universe being like, you literally told people to just stop doing this. All right. (laughs) Let's shuffle our witches. Whoa! She leapt from the deck. Okay. In two weeks, my loves, we will be talking about joy- Harjo, who represents bravery. So I'm going to read you her page in this book so that you can start thinking about, thinking about next week's episode, (laughs) if you want to find some work and read. Okay, so Joy Harjo represents bravery, plunging in, making decisions, and fear. Harjo, a common Creek Nation name, means so brave, she's crazy. Oh, I love that. Joy Harjo, born 1951. Ooh, I think our witch is still alive, which is very exciting. Um, Courageously survived an oppressive childhood, teenage pregnancy, and domestic abuse before becoming a spiritually charged poet of wild natural imagery and urgent social activism, as well as an award-winning saxophone player and singer. Fabulous. I cannot wait to learn about her in the upcoming weeks and to share my findings with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm leaving you now for real. Uh, Go forth and read. Read more books. (sighs) Makes us nicer. (laughs) We could all be a little nicer. Until next time, witches, cheers. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm eat algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers.